Welcome to Empower Outdoors podcast. We are in episode 20. It seems like forever ago that we started this podcast. And I know 20 episodes isn't a lot for some podcasts, but for us, it's kind of a milestone. Um, It's been a lot of fun so far putting this podcast together and having guests on the show and trying to, you know, give you guys great content and information about hunting, sharing the passion that others have for the sport. So we're excited to be here and talk about something that's very important to me in this episode, um, hunting, conservation, and how to get involved with it. So if you are a hunter, let me tell you that without even knowing it, you're contributing to conservation. You buy a tag every year, license, um, some ammunition, maybe, you know, some new arrows, new archery equipment, whatever it is, you're contributing to conservation. I've mentioned this before in a previous episode. Um, I believe it was Why We Hunt, something like that. That was the title. But basically, the reason that you are contributing maybe without even knowing it, is because of the excise tax placed on those goods that you're buying. So let me tell you about it real quick. It's called the Federal Aid in Wildlife Restoration Act, also known as the Pittman-Robertson Act. This is really important to note because this places an 11% excise tax on all firearms, ammunition, archery, and all related hunting equipment, basically. So the money from this tax is then placed in the hands of wildlife agencies and used on conservation projects. So what does that actually mean? Well, that means that you hunters, sportsmen and women, you've contributed to conservation and more than $14 billion have been contributed to conservation since 1937. So that's something to feel good about. So then what's the impact of that? Um... Well, a lot. (laughs) Um, In 1907, there were only about 41,000 elk that remained in North America. And this is coming from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation website. And the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is a nonprofit conservation organization. A few facts that they gave from one of their articles called 25 Reasons Why Hunting is Conservation. Okay, so in 1907... Only 41,000 elk remained in North America. But um, the money and the hard work invested by hunters to restore and conserve habitat, thanks to that, today there are more than 1 million. So that's huge. If anybody's an elk hunter out there, you should appreciate that for sure. I know in the Midwest, there's a lot more whitetail hunters. Let me tell you that in 1900, there were only 500,000 whitetail remaining. Um, But then again, thanks to conservation efforts, there are today more than 32 million. So that's huge as well. Same thing with turkeys, ducks, pronghorns, you name it. They have all been helped. Their population and their wildlife, refuges, and everything has been helped by the money that hunters spend on conservation. Also, the habitat research, wildlife law enforcement work, All of that has been paid for by hunters, and that helps tons of species that are not even able to be hunted. So basically, you should feel good about it. You should know about it. You should be able to share about it. When somebody asks you, why the heck do you hunt? 
Well, you can give them some facts. You can tell them where your money's going. You can also tell them all of the feelings that you get when you go hunting, the food for the table, all of that. But really, back it up with some facts and some basically the money that it goes towards. And if they claim to care about the environment, conservation, wildlife, they should support hunting. Just my opinion. (laughs) I feel like it's a pretty educated opinion though. So in this episode, after I get done rambling here, I'm going to play an interview that I did with Allison Rauscher. She's from Wisconsin. We met up at the ATA show a few weeks ago and we had a great conversation about conservation organizations and how to get involved with them because Allison is a passionate hunter and conservationist. Um, She's from Wisconsin, so she's kind of a neighbor to me, Um, but she's been involved with organizations like Whitetails Unlimited for more than 20 years. Um, She's assisted her dad in running chapter banquets, is heavily involved with that. She's also a committee member for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Badger chapter in Wisconsin, and Beyond that, she has volunteered with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, helping Wisconsin's elk population by locating and coloring elk calves. So that's pretty awesome. I wish I did that because who doesn't want to see a baby calf? Anyone? (laughs) I do. Anyways, so it's a great conversation. I hope you guys learn a little bit from Allison and what she has to say about getting involved and some of the opportunities. And it'll play right after this quick message. I hope you enjoy. So I'm here today at ATA show, Archery Trade Association show in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know if I'm saying Louisville, right? Louisville, but I think like, it is. I, I tried listening to locals and they say Louisville sometimes, some say Louisville, whatever, either way. I'm here with Allison Rauscher. Yep. Yeah, nailed it. Cool. Awesome. That never happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so Allison and I have been talking a little bit about... Um, why we're here and why we're passionate about hunting and fishing and um, just all the opportunities that you can, you know, get involved. And I had asked her if she would talk to me a little bit about how she gets involved with different conservation organizations within her local area. So first, maybe start telling a little bit about yourself, how you kind of grew up hunting and all of that. And then how that then transitioned you to get into, you know, conservation efforts with like RMEF and whatever else you're involved in. Yeah. So I, uh, man, I started when I was really little. Um, when I was about four years old, I would pose with my dad's deer and, um, just, I was just immune to it really. I felt like I, I felt like there was no other option really and uh, we had deer mounts on the walls and obviously I would see my dad bring home his kills and um, like I said I'd pose with his deer for pictures and then um, I remember when I was young too he he took me out with him once and I remember we were sitting on the edge of a field and saw a bunch of deer and that was my initial 
exposure to it. And then um, when I got older, when I was nine, I went and sat with him for gun season and got to actually see one get shot and kind of really see the whole process for the first time. And I, you know, it was something that it didn't bother me at all but I think by the time I was 12 and actually got out there myself with my own bow and really was in the hot seat myself then that was when my passion really ignited um I was also I also helped my dad at uh White Tails Banquets when I was younger uh he was a kind of like a host of White Tails Unlimited Banquets throughout uh throughout my childhood and I got to help out with those and so I got to learn about that through him and then uh, when I got to college I I still am big into Whitetails Unlimited but when I got to college I learned that there was elk in Wisconsin which baffled me I was super intrigued by that had no idea Um, so then I decided to look into Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and I watched them for a while and realized that there's actually chapters that do the same thing as Whitetails Unlimited and they hold banquets and um, they get out and actually get their hands dirty and volunteer and um, really help with research. Uh, Not that Whitetails Unlimited Unlimited does that too, but um, I think I was just so intrigued by elk because that wasn't something that I had been around before. So they're so big. Yes. And it was so crazy because I remember the first time I volunteered on a calf search, I remember them saying that it looks a lot like a white tail, but they're bigger. Well, for me, when I saw my first one, I was, I think the thing that I realized first was how big their eyes are. Like the big black eyes just was it was like a dead giveaway suddenly like it's they're just so much different than a white tail because white tail have kind of like white patches around their eyes too sometimes and are they speckled the babies yep 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 but they're it is they're, i mean they're like a baby calf like a cow calf they're probably about the same size as that um one of the biggest ones that i found this past summer i think i think he was it was a bull and i think he was like 52 pounds which was like unheard of because he was, we thought he was like days old. He was like hours old. Mm. So he was pretty big for. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we have some calves born on the farm and that big. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're pretty big. It's crazy. I haven't been like I've, and I've seen um, like cows in person before and it's just insane how much bigger they are compared mm-hmm. to a deer. So seeing that in Wisconsin's super cool. Right. And there was a, the first, was it the first year that there was yep. a hunt? Yep. Okay. This past fall, um, they had two, I mean, you could call it one season, but they separated them. There was one during, like, the bow season, and then they had a, um, they had one, like, just, I think it was just before, like, the Wisconsin mm-hmm. gun season. I can't remember the exact dates of it, but... Yeah, it was pretty. It sounds like it went really well. I mean, it looks. It sounds like there was also some hiccups, but for the most part, it was a success. And that's a lot of that has to do with the efforts, like the volunteering that you guys did, Mm -hmm. the conservation with RMEF, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. For those of you not familiar, um, which is something that you don't think about if you're just a normal 
hunter, mm-hmm. and you're not, especially from the Midwest, yeah. and you're from Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yeah. I didn't know there was elk in Minnesota. Yeah. I um, I started. Uh, I'm a committee member for our local chapter of RMEF. Good. Me well. too. Me yeah, too. Yeah. So last year is my first year, and I <laughs> I'll have to share with you when I went elk hunting last year on the ladies' trip. The guy who organized it was the regional director of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation of like Minnesota and like the upper Midwest. Okay. Pat McCullen. Mm, I don't think I've. Yeah. I've heard the name, but I don't think I haven't met him. Actually, you know what? I think I did. I think yeah. I met him at our state banquet, maybe. Probably. I think he came over to our state yeah. banquet. But. So he was on that hunt. And so he was like, okay, so you better come to the meeting. And so, yeah, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I just didn't know enough about it at mm-hmm. the time. Like, before I went, I was like, I wanted to elk hunt. Yeah. But I thought I had to go out west, which chances are I'll still have to go out west because really there's only so many tags in Minnesota or Wisconsin, but it's still the effort is there. That's how I felt too. I mean, before they announced the Wisconsin hunt this past spring, I seriously was like, I, I'll probably be dead by the time they have a elk hunt in Wisconsin. And then when they announced it, I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. I think this is amazing that we even, it's a small opportunity, but the fact that we have an opportunity at all is amazing and you know you got to start small I think it I never ever expected it to be like oh yeah we're gonna go and have a big hunt right off the bat and it was I knew it would be small but um I was gonna say that I was talking to somebody the other day about the difference between Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Whitetails Unlimited and I think it's a lot easier for people like us in the Midwest to relate to things in the here and now where like Whitetails Unlimited, we have deer that we hunt already. And you know, things are already possible with that. Whereas Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation in Wisconsin and probably Minnesota as well, you really have to have a vision and you really have to work towards the future. It's not, it's something that you have to have faith in almost and really believe in to make it successful, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing that I think people would find a lot of value in, whoever's listening, um, is how you actually get involved locally. Like, I know that you can go to the Recommend Elk Foundation, you can become a member there, but really what I found is I signed up, or you can sign up at a banquet to become a member, and you can that money then goes to that local chapter. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but I don't think that a lot of people know that Mm -hmm. because I I know people who live in Duluth, for example, and they are a member of Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, never been to a banquet, but Mm -hmm. they hunt out west, so they figured they'd become a member. Yeah. I know a couple of examples. It's like, oh, I didn't know there was a local chapter. Yeah. Okay. So that that means that we need to get the word out there. Yeah. And I think that's how Wisconsin is too. I think that I'm still meeting people that are like, Mm -hmm. what is Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation? They have no idea. Mm-hmm. I think the importance, though, is, like, with your local chapters, you that money is then allocated to your state. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's the difference. But how? what kind of um, what kinds of things do you do? I know you mentioned um, kind of the research and the... Calf circus? Yeah. Yep. And then what, what other kinds of things do you do with... Well, so 
another thing that I'll add to what we were just talking about with joining local chapters, I actually wasn't even a member at first. I just volunteered at first, okay. and I probably was quite a few months before I actually paid for a membership just because I was... I couldn't afford it at the time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's not expensive it's by like any means. $35 yeah, a year. 30, 35, yeah. Um, it's not expensive by any means, but it just wasn't a priority at the time. And so eventually, then I, I mean, I, I started by volunteering doing the elk calf searches. That was probably the first thing that it was around that time of year. Um, so we do that. That's where we go out. Um, and search for calves. We they monitor all sorts of um, cows, and when they realize that the cow has stopped kind of moving around and they're sticking to one area, it's kind of an indication that they're giving birth. And so then the biologists will go in. They'll we'll get a we'll round up some volunteers, decide to go to a certain area where the cow is. The biologist will go in, and he can usually visualize and see, you know. He can tell by looking at her if she's given birth or not. And then if it looks like it, then he'll kind of usher us into where he thinks she gave birth. And okay. we search the area for a calf. And if we find one, then it is, um, depending on, uh, again, I think before it was an issue of not having the money to do certain things. So I think they were making sure that they could at least tag and collar the calves. Um, they do blood work. Um, they have chipped some uh but yeah and just and just collect collecting general data really um and then volunteering at banquets um making sure that there's help there if it's needed and again that's not always something that you really have to pay for i mean if you're going to eat the dinner or whatever then yes you probably have to pay for that but i mean just volunteering your time is is valuable as it is and i know what that entails but what does it entail uh, so, you know, helping with setup even is just super helpful. Um, setup and takedown, uh, just being another body to walk items around, make sure everything runs smoothly, um, getting, uh, getting guests whatever they need, uh, that sort of thing. And it varies from place to place to uh, sometimes if you don't have, you know, waiters and waitresses, maybe you're dishing up food or, um, I don't know, I've, I've been to a ton of banquets and there's so many places that do it differently. And For someone who's never been to a banquet, it's basically banquets for RMEF or White Tails Unlimited. They're fundraisers for the organization where there's um, raffles, there's gun raffles, oh, yes, there's a yes. whole bunch of, there's auctions, yeah. that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Basically, they're raising a lot of money, and there's a lot of chances to win prizes, Yep, too. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people I know say that they, um, sometimes a lot of the guys that I've gotten to know over the past couple of years, whenever you ask them if they won something, they're like, no, I bought it. Mm. <laughs> Which, but still, it's like, they, I, they all realize that where that money is going, why it's important, mm -hmm. and, you know, getting back to what it's all about it's not about winning prizes it's about you know raising money for mm -hmm. the elk or um different things in your community there was one uh white tails unlimited banquet where we raised money and 
we ended up getting all new bows for a bio camp and so they could teach archery there and so that's huge yeah you know introducing archery young and especially at like camps like that yeah that's where some people that's the only time they've ever shot yeah yeah so. yeah and I think it really gets some some of the youth into it because I know at schools some some places mm-hmm. they're not teaching it in schools anymore mm-hmm. and did you have archery in your school I did we did. did lucky you oh yeah and it was my absolute favorite to show up every boy in my class oh yeah <laughs> sounds like sounds like it if people know me personally they know me as a competitive person mm-hmm. and that hasn't changed so you were like you were a dancer though too weren't you yeah so you had a few different hats that you wore yes yeah yeah <laughs> I was I was a dancer back in the day and I can't do any of that now I can tell you that much but you can still shoot your bow so yeah exactly you know. and I yeah I feel like I'm at times I feel like I'm still the same person and I still have the same interests but I'm just a little older and a little different now and you care about conservation, yeah, so that's good. Exactly. Yeah. So, yep. if you guys have any questions for Allison, where could they reach out to you? Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Those are the only two social media accounts I really have. Um, not a big Twitter person, but um, Allison is with two L's and an I. Rauscher is R A U S C H E R, and then I also um, have a website. It's alisonrauscher.squarespace.com, and that's kind of where I, I actually post a lot of articles about conservation and that sort of stuff there. Yeah, awesome. So we have, um, we'll be posting a blog about this too, so I'll link to that. So if you guys are just listening on the app, make sure you check out um, my website, alleyofnorth.com, and you'll find this post under Empower Outdoors. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being on the show, Allison. Thanks, Allison.